Welcome to the Renovate Church Sermon Podcast. At Renovate Church, we are passionate about teaching God's Word in such a way that you really get to know the heart and character of God and where you can apply the truth of Scripture to every aspect of living. We believe that God's Word is relevant and has the power to transform your life. We're excited for this most recent sermon and we hope it blesses and encourages you. That's the least of our worries, right? Good. Hey, uh, I'm excited you're here this morning. Uh, I'm Pastor Dave Jamerson, and we're going uh, to be in week two of our series called the Missio Day, as Tammy said. And last week, we started out this series by saying that we really believe all of us want to think that there is some sort of purpose and meaning to this life. That we're not just here uh, randomly, we're not just here by chance. There, there's a real purpose to why we're here. Not only that, but that each and every one of us has a unique purpose for our lives. Not just generally, but, but there's, a, there, there's a sense of mission and purpose on each of our lives and what God uh, has placed us here to do, who we are, and the, the impact that we can make. And so, we said this last week, that God has always had a mission in the world. And the more that we get to understand that mission and engage in it and participate in it, the more meaningful and impactful and substantial our lives become. The more that we, we get engaged with what God is doing in the world, where his heart is, the more impactful our lives become. And so we said that the Missio Dei, it's, it's Latin for the mission of God. And many people have argued over the centuries about what is God's mission? What is his purpose in the world? And we said this, that in the beginning, God created everything and everything was good. We see that in Genesis 1 and 2, that everything he's creating is good and has harmony and, uh, and has pleasure. But all of a sudden what we see in Genesis chapter 3 is that man decides to, to go his own way. Man decides to say, hey, I, I want to do this on my own. I, I want to be independent of God. And what we see is that sin entered the world. And because of that, fracture and brokenness entered into the world. It entered into our relationship with God. It entered into our relationship with one another, right? So as we look at the world, we see brokenness and fracture and, and devastation all around us. So God saw this. And God had an answer for this this global pandemic of sin, he said, hey, listen, okay, this brokenness has happened, uh, this fracture's happened, okay, but I want to step into this and bring about healing and restoration and redemption into these places. So in Genesis chapter 12, God comes to a man named Abraham, and he says to Abraham, hey, listen, Abraham, I want to partner with you 
to bring about my redemptive purposes into the world, into the earth. All I need you to do is just to be willing and available to go where I'm asking you to go. In Genesis 12, we said God comes, and, and we, we made this note last week that for the whole answer of the world and the problems in the world, God starts relatively small by just calling one person in one family. And God says to Abraham, hey, listen, Abraham, out of you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Out of, out of what you do, out of you partnering with me, out of you coming in agreement with me, not only am I going to bless you, but the blessing is going to be for the whole world, that out of you is going to come redemption. So from that point on, in Genesis chapter 12, God begins to work through a person, and he begins to work through a people to bring about his redemptive purposes in the earth. And what I want to look at today is we're going to look at the, the next phase of that, which is that people that God initially called, they actually became a nation. And God had a purpose on this nation of Israel in the Old Testament. Uh, he wasn't just calling them randomly just so that they could be blessed. He, he had a purpose for them as a people. And I want us, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Exodus 19 that's a really excellent passage of Scripture because I want you to see that God's call on the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, we can learn a lot as the church, as now the called people of God in the New Testament. We are now the called people of God. And God ultimately was saying to Israel, listen, Israel, I have called you to be, to do, and to tell. I've called you to live a certain way, to live distinctly, because this salvation and this blessing is not just for you. I want to use you as an example and a witness so that all the other nations of the earth will see me in you. But yet Israel failed at that. But we want to drill into that because it has meaning for us today. So if you have your Bibles or on your device or you can look at it uh, on the screen, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. Starting in verse 1, on the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, 
This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. God was coming to them at this really critical point in time. He had called them out of Egypt. They had been in slavery for over 400 years. And they're at this critical point, and, and, and God is speaking into their, their identity, their, their, their missional identity. He's speaking into their calling, and he's speaking into their purpose right now in this passage of Scripture. He's saying, first and foremost, this whole thing of of being. He speaks to this, this missional identity. Hey, listen, you are my treasured possession. Of all the people on the face of the earth, you're my treasured possession. Being is who we are. We're set apart for a purpose. It wasn't just Israel telling the nations or going and saying, hey, i got to go witness to everybody. It was who they were in, the, in, their, in their calling and their purpose. And I want to I just talk about this for a second. Because the first thing we see in this passage of Scripture is this idea of redemption. And I ultimately want to just look at redemption Re, uh, response and reason this morning out of the, this passage. So redemption, God said to them, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. This is a loaded statement that he's saying. He's saying, hey, listen, people of Israel, I want you to remember what I did for you. I want you to remember how I took you out of bondage and I took you out of despair and I took you out of hopelessness and I took you out of purposelessness. That this is, this is the situation that you were in. Guys, Israel for us, the, the people of God in the Old Testament are always a picture of a New Testament spiritual truth. How God worked in Israel gives us a, a window into how God wants to work in our lives. So what he's saying here is, hey, listen. When you could offer me nothing, you were not only one of the weakest people on the face of the earth, not only that, you were least in numbers, not only that, you were in slavery, and yet I put my affection and my love and my calling on you. And he's, he's telling them that his 
redemptive work in our lives is by grace. That God, this is his, look, his desire is to work in our lives powerfully where we're not in bondage anymore. And essentially what he's saying to them at this point when he's saying, listen, do you not know how I brought you on eagle's wings? Look what I did in Egypt. Look how I brought you out. I carried you out. Like, remember this salvation that I did for you and understand that I'm giving you a new identity at this point. I'm giving you a new identity. I no longer want you to think of yourselves as slaves. I no longer want you to think of yourselves as second class. I no longer, look, you're my people. And I love you. And I have a purpose for you. So he's saying, I don't want you to live in the past anymore. I don't want you to continue to think about, oh, you know, oh man, I'm so unworthy. Yes, you were unworthy, but I still chose you anyway. And I don't want you to, to, go, to, to go by your old identity, what the world said you were. I want you to walk in a, in a new identity and purpose in your life. You are my people. You're my children. But not only did God talk to them about being, who, who they're going to be in the world, he talked to them about what they're called to do. Doing. How we lived. Because we're called to represent God's nature and character to the world. He said, hey, listen, Israel, I love you. I've redeemed you. I've called you. I've worked an incredible salvation in your life. I've worked an incredible grace in your life. Understand that it's not just for you. Understand that there's something else that I'm doing, I'm wanting to use you as an instrument to make myself known to those around you. So how we live. Response. He says, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. It matters how we live. A kingdom of priests, what is that? He doesn't say you're going to be a kingdom where every single person is going to be a priest. Because, yes, the nation of Israel had priests, but he's saying something bigger here. He's saying, hey, essentially what you're going to be, what a priest did was he represented people to God and God to people. What he's saying to them is, you're going to be my mediator of redemption and salvation 
to those around you. So you're going to be a kingdom of priests, and you're going to be a holy nation. What is that? Okay, I want you, Israel, to live distinctly in the world. My desire is to show the world what I'm like, what my nature and character are like. Israel was called to be a gravitational pull to the world. Oh, we see them, we see how they live, we see God working in their life, we see God's presence in their life, we see something different in their life, and we want to ask why. That was their calling. You're my people, you're set apart, you're called to live distinctly and differently. Tim Keller, pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Midtown Manhattan, he said, I was there 2012 at Movement Day. He was talking. He said, guys, you have to understand we live in a culture today that the church is no longer, the world, the culture is no longer indifferent to the church. The, The culture now is in combat against the church. The culture thinks the church is the problem. The culture thinks the church is repressive. The culture thinks they're in reaction to the church. They're no longer indifferent to it. It's Christians who are the problem. The church is the problem. Da-da-da-da-da. And Tim Keller said, hey, listen, the question today is not, are we called to plant churches? The question is, what kind of churches are we called to plant? Because here's the thing. He said, if you do not live differently than the world, then all of our witness is not credible. He says, how we as the world handle power, sex, money, conflict, all that, is if, if we truly do not live differently, then all the world is going to see is all our efforts of evangelism is just accruing power. Come and be a part of my group. And God said to Israel, no, yeah, yeah, it's important that, that you be It's also important how you live in the world. Like, how you represent me. Because here's the thing. You're called to represent me differently. I wrote some of this down. When people look at us, what do they see? Do they see something different in us? The way that we love the way that we serve, the way that we care, the way that we're generous, the way that we forgive, the joy that we have. Do they see anything different? One of the pastors in New York, he uh, was an incredible pastor, wrote The Cross and the Switchblade about Nikki Cruz and uh, winning him to the Lord as a gang member. He was walking through New York one day, and he was downtrodden with all the pressures of church and life and all this stuff. And a 
prostitute was on the street corner, and she said to him, Hey, pastor, why so down? Everything's going to be okay. And he went and he preached a message that Sunday called the salvation of our face. He says, here I am, (laughs) walking with God, having the promises of God, having eternal life, all this, and yet what people saw around me was somebody who was just disgruntled, (laughs) angry, frustrated, discouraged, He goes, I got rebuked, David Wilkerson, he goes, I got rebuked by a lady of the night on the corner in New York. And I needed it. Guys, it matters how how we live. Come on. This is the The crux of the matter in this hour is, like, we can't just talk the talk. We have to walk the walk. Come on. Does the world see anything different in us day to day? Do they see anything different in our marriages? Do they see anything different in how we deal with conflict? Do they see anything different in how we forgive one another? In our business, come on. I can't tell you how many times I've had friends of mine say, oh my gosh, I hired this company and they were Christians and then they messed me over. He goes, I get ripped off more by Christians in business that have a fish on the back of their car than I do ever in the world. Come on. What God was saying to Israel, if you study the whole Testament and all the laws and all these things and don't eat this and don't take, it comes down to, guys, what he was trying to say to them in the fabric that they wore and what they ate and what they did and all this, he was simply trying to say to them, listen, all of life is worship. All of it. How you treat somebody at the In-N-Out Burger. How you treat somebody at the dry cleaner. How you treat your employees. How you treat your neighbor. How we walk. He's trying to say, what he's saying is, you're going to be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Why? Because I want to display my character and nature and purpose to the world. Come on, when people look at us, do they see anything different? Nope. You're opinionated and selfish. Okay, then I need to change. Because I have a higher call. What he's saying here, guys, in this passage in Exodus 19 is the same thing that we see in the New Testament where Jesus says, listen, you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. You've been bought with a price. Look, I've had to rub this out because my natural propensity is to be selfish and self-righteous and all this. And man, many different times where I treated people the wrong way and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit began to convict me and say, that's not how I want to represent myself to that person. Oh, 
Well, what do I need to do? Humble yourself. Go back. Ask for their forgiveness. But I was right. Yeah, and you were also wrong. Guys, this is what he's saying in this passage of Scripture. Yes, redemption. But the response, what I'm, what I'm desiring is to, to, is to represent myself to the world. I thought about that this week, and I had a gentleman that I had the privilege of meeting in Indianapolis, Indiana, when I interviewed for the outreach position at Traders Point. The last meeting that I had, I had all these meetings. I met with the executive pastor three times. I met with the staff. I met with the elders, the lead pastor. The last meeting was with the, the um, outreach team, evangelism team. There was a guy there, Jack Gilbert. Jack was probably in his early 80s. Uh, Jack had become a Christian in his 20s. He had been an elder at the church for 40 years. And I met Jack, and Jack was on my missions team and my evangelism team, and we got to be really close. And uh, I saw something so different about Jack's life. I saw he wasn't striving. He had this peace about him. He had this care. The first time I met him, I saw him a week later in church, and he came up to me and said, Hey, Dave, how's April and Brett, Elijah, Trey, and Mia doing? He, like, remembered my kids' names from just one meeting. And we were driving up to Chicago one time to visit a church that had started in one of the poorest areas of Chicago. And uh, Lawndale is the area. They had done this incredible work there. Wayne Gordon had started this church in Lawndale. And... uh, just had this holistic view of wanting to serve his community. He, they ended up building a hospital that had over 200,000 visits for the working poor that couldn't afford it. They started a halfway house for those coming out of prison. They bought up about 80 properties. So we were going up to see what they were doing in Chicago, and Jack was sitting next to me. And I'll never forget the conversation. I said, Jack, what did you do for a living He said, uh, for 38 years, I was the lead negotiator in all deals for General Motors. I said, wow. Tell me about that. He's like, oh, I loved it. I loved getting a chance to do that. And I said, so did you ever have times when you came into unbelievable conflict with someone And he said, yes. He said, there were times where people tried to manipulate us or do us wrong or this or that. And I said, how did you you respond in that way? He said, Dave, I lived my life in a way that, number one, I always wanted things to be a win, win, win for everyone. There were times when I knew more information about somebody that I was negotiating with, that I shared that information with, I could have taken advantage of them. And yes, there were times people would come in and manipulate me and say, if this gentleman is still at the table tomorrow when we come, then we're pulling away from this deal. 
He said, but Dave, I have a higher purpose and calling. It was to represent Christ. And he said, Dave, I can't tell you how many people I got a chance to have conversations with because there was something different about me. And I got home and I told April, I was like, wow, that's like one of the, because I'm a fighter. I would have wanted it, oh, man, get in there, you know, and he's like, no. I said, man, I learned something today, April, and that's probably why he had so much fruit in his life. Because when people saw him, they saw something different. What we do matters. So not only being, not only doing, but God has called us to tell. We're called to communicate God's truth and good news, to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. The reason God said, hey, I'm redeeming you. I want you to follow me fully. I want you to live distinctly. I want you to live differently. The reason is because there's a world that I want to reach. Look at what Exodus 9, 16 says. But I have raised you up, Israel, for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. This is who you are, being. You're different. You're my people. You have a new identity. You have a new purpose. You have a new calling doing. I want you to live differently. I want you to live distinctly. What do people see when they see your social media? I want you to live distinctly. And not only that, then I want you to proclaim and tell people about my goodness and my good news and my salvation. Look at what it says in 1 Kings 8, 56 through 61, this phrase is mentioned like 50 times in the Old Testament. This is Solomon dedicating the temple. Praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our ancestors. May he never leave us nor forsake us. May he turn our hearts to him to walk in obedience to him and keep the commands, decrees, and laws he gave our ancestors. And may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, that he may uphold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel according to each day's need so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. And may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees and obey his commands as at this time. 
Solomon's dedicating the temple, saying, guys, guys, this is what God has done. This is who he is. Why? There's people all around us. that God loves and God wants to redeem and God wants to heal and God wants to bless and God wants to restore. They got to see something different in us, but we also have to tell them. Look at this video real quick of a friend of mine, Daryl Flowers, who was one of my original pastors. Good morning. My name is Daryl Flowers. I'm a friend of uh, Pastor Dave, April Jamerson. We've been, probably been friends for about 30 years, and two things that Dave and I have in common. We both love God, and we love basketball. Um, today, Dave asked me to share a little bit of my story of how I became a Christian, so that you can know the power of how you live your life can impact others. I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, during my formative years, I really developed a real love for basketball, partially because I was a skinny kid, didn't think I could play football, but baseball was an option, too boring. So I worked real hard and I had some God-gifted talent, decent height, turned out to be 6'3", and began to be a very good basketball player. So much so that my junior year in high school, my team was able to win the large school state basketball title in the state of Wisconsin. I happened to be the best player on the team, so I received a lot of awards, i.e. first team all-conference, all-area, all-state, and eventually was ranked in the top 50 players in the country. Now, you would have thought I would have been the most fulfilled kid in my high school, but yet I always felt like there was something missing in my life. And eventually, my senior year came in, and. Uh, a young man by the name of Omar Scruggs who had to repeat his senior year in high school because his mom didn't feel like he was adequately developed to graduate. So Omar sat in front of me in homeroom and began to share with me about how God had changed his life and how he had become a Christian. And Omar's story was pretty impactful, how he was converted from, you know, just living for himself and just king of fun to now serious about God and wanting to please him. Yet, basketball was the God in my life. And um, I had people who could play basketball had the greatest chance of having an impact on me. And so Omar tried out for the basketball team. The first two days he was cut. So it kind of undermined my impressions of, of Omar. And it left me still wondering like, what do I really need? Well, eventually I graduated from high school, signed a letter of intent to play for Oregon State University. And uh, it turns out that one of my teammates uh, is a famous basketball player that many of you avid uh, basketball followers might remember. AC Green, known as the uh, NBA's Iron Man, was a teammate of mine for three years. And it was in that first year that AC had the greatest impact on my life, I would say. Um, I heard he was a lot like Omar from what I could remember my teammates saying to me, and I watched him for about a month. 
I remember I was able to dismiss Omar because he wasn't a very good basketball player. And it turns out AC obviously was a great basketball player. And through watching his Christianity and him being such an exceptional basketball player, I think I was convinced that I needed the same thing that Omar and AC had, and that was Jesus. And so now as I reflect on my faith and my journey with God, I look back to two individuals who had the most significant impact on my life. And I think about Omar and AC and how they were willing to be Christians, how they were willing to live the Christian life, and how they were willing to share their faith with me. And because of them, I turned my life over to God. And because of that, I've decided to be a Christian, to live as a Christian, and to share with others my story. And so hopefully this encourages you. God bless, and I hope you guys have a great series. Yeah, so what he's saying there is he saw something different. Right, that's how, how it was for me. I, there was people in my life, I saw something different. It's like, hey, how they deal with disappointment. Man, they deal with it differently. Man, their character, when nobody is around and watching, there's something different about them. Their, their care for me, their, their interest in me is different than whatever. Okay, there's something different about them. Okay, what is it? And invariably, it was always, hey, what it is is I have a relationship with God through Jesus. Let me tell you about what Christ has done in my life. Daryl was impacted by Omar and AC, but guess what? He went on to become a campus pastor at Oregon State and truly, literally lead hundreds of other athletes and students to Christ. So, mission, mission. Every single one of us, truly, we said last week that the key word in mission that we're going to see is this whole idea of sending. That, that mission is God sending. And there's people that you are called to reach that nobody else can probably reach. There are spheres that you're in, in business, in your life, in your family, in your community, in your neighborhood. There's spheres that, that, that you're in that God is calling you to reach. The Apostle Paul said that. He said, hey, if I would have never been put in prison, I could have never shared the gospel with the Praetorian Guard. I was here not bitter and upset about what was going on. I was here divinely, divinely placed here. Why? So that I could share the hope and the good news of the gospel with these guardsmen, and many of them came to Christ. Guys, sent. Every, you're sent to Pflugerville Conley High School. 
You're sent to that neighborhood. You're sent to that school. You're sent to that school. You're sent to that neighborhood. You're sent to that industry. You're sent to that campus. You're sent, every single one of us. See, Israel's mindset shifted. And they all of a sudden began to say, no, the temple is just for us. And God was like, no, no, no. It was never just for you to just hold yourself off as a holy community. No, it was always for the world. It was always for others. Guys, I really, we're doing this series because as a church, we want to be on mission. We want to be on mission in this county, in this community, in this city. And there are people all around us. And he's just looking like Omar to say, hey, well, somebody, who, who's willing to just step up? Man, I want to live my life that way. The sense of mission. We'll have the worship team come down. Let me just read this last scripture. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12. Peter writing, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. <laughs> same thing as Exodus. Same words. God's special possession. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Would renovate live as the people of God in this community. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires. Live differently, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, the people, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. It's powerful. Be, do, proclaim, live on mission, live distinctly. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you're on mission in the world. It's your desire that we wouldn't just keep this to ourselves, God, but God, we would look around, we would open our eyes and we'd say, okay, God, where are you at work? Who are you at work? Where are you at work? How can I join you in your work? Let us be that kind of church. Let us live differently in how we care, how we respond, how we love, how we forgive, how we engage, how we're generous. God, let us live differently, just as it says in this, in this word. Help us to do that. Help us to be faithful followers of you. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. All God's people said, amen.
Hey, we are so glad that you joined us for our service this morning. If you are interested in learning about how you can start a relationship with Jesus, we would love to be here to talk that through with you. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, that whoever has the Son has life. And we really believe that here at Renovate. So again, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, if you're just interested in learning more about the faith, you have questions, we'd love to hear from you as well. Or if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus or get more involved in what we're doing, we'd love to hear from you. So just go ahead and comment on the platform that you're at or reach out to us by email at info at renovatechurch.com. Again, we're so glad you're able to join us. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to hearing from you soon.